The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And have I got a love story for you. Today's show is... um, Today's guest, I should say, is a filmmaker who never was a filmmaker before, but um, he became one because of his love story. This filmmaker has memorialized his lover who was lost in the terrorist attack of 7-7 in London. And whether you um, have lost someone in a terrorist attack, or certainly we can all relate, we've all lost someone in a sense. We've all lost our countrymen, whether it's 9-11 or 7-7. Um, this is something that you have got to hear. Today's guest, as I was saying, Raj Babra, has never made a film before, but he had a dream. Having lost the love of his life in the London terrorist attack of 7-7, he wants to share the universal experience of grief after such a senseless act. He made a documentary film called 7-7, Life Without Benedetta, and it's very intimate, yet it touches us all. Raj, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um, before we uh, start with your story and how you met Benedetta and, of course, to the tragic conclusion and then what you're um, the the hope, in a sense, that you're making out of it, the goodness that you're turning it into. Um, let's just hear a little bit about yourself and sort of the the reluctant filmmaker <laughs> before you were so. Okay, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> Where you were born. Okay, I was born in Leeds, which is um, north of London, uh, probably about a couple of hundred miles away. I then moved to London when I was approximately two years old. So as far as I'm concerned, I've been born and bred in London. And uh, this is where I still live. I I live in the south, um, just on the outside of London. Um, Do you want me to carry on? Yes. (laughs) Where where, where was your family from? Where were your parents born? I mean, where where were your roots before England? My parents, yeah, my parents are both from India. Um, They're... um, they're born in uh, actually India itself, but they lived a lot of their lives in East Africa. Hmm. And in the 60s, I believe it was, they they moved here to um, the UK, where both my, myself and my brother were both been born here. So we're like the first generation of Asians here um, who have been born in the UK. And what did you study in school? I. Uh, at school, uh, I take by school, you mean university? Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, over here, it's <laughs> when yes. you're younger. Okay, um, I studied computer science at the University College of London. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I worked in IT for uh, many years. And now? And now um, I changed my career, and I'm a civil servant. I've been working in uh, a government job for about five years now in the UK. Now, now that's interesting. You changed right after seven seven. 
No, it wasn't after 7-7. It was... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, five to, years. Yeah, Yes, years. okay. Well, I, I needed to go back to school for a little math here. <laughs> that was my fantasy, that 7-7 not only changed your love life, but changed your work life as well. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> well, all right. Let's start with um, the day or night that you met uh, the love of your life, Benedetta. Okay. Um... I uh, went out with a friend. Uh, his name's Amrit. We went to a nightclub in central London. We, we were actually celebrating that recently we've got summer jobs while we're at university. Hmm. Um, in the nightclub, I saw Benedetta. She was dancing with a friend of hers. And um, I was quite shy by then. I was only like uh, 20, I think I was. Um, it was a long time. It was like uh, nearly 12 years ago now. And uh, they were dancing together, and I really liked her. And I, I walked up and I started to dance with her, and um, we we just got talking from that. And we sat down and talked for a long time. And I gave her my number after after a while. And now that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> why, why did did you ask her for her number? No, I gave mine. Okay, I, I gave my number to her. Yes, I I heard you say that, but I mean, um, why did you do that? I mean, what rather than ask her for hers? I don't know. I was probably a shy twenty-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> okay, didn't want to be rejected. Okay. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it was just um, I don't know. I, I I was just quite surprised she took it, and um, and then uh, yes, we just went our own ways, and I I thought I was. Just, seemed like a really, really nice girl, and uh, just uh, I think it was about uh, five days later or something, I was just walking, I was walking home from work, and uh, I got a phone call from her, and from there we just started chatting all the time, and uh, it, we, we started arranging our first date from there, after, um, I don't know, we chatted over about a few dates, then we made a date to go out together. And where was your first date? We went to a place called Pitcher Piano in Charing Cross, and it was a double date. Uh, she brought a friend of hers. I brought uh, Amrit along with me, and uh, we, we just went out all together. Uh, Benedetta and I, we got on really, really well, <laughs> and uh, Amrit and her friend got on very well as well. So it, was just, it just became a new sort of like group to hang out, um, going out for the next couple of weeks, and it was like, very casual dating at first, just talking a lot and seeing each other on the weekends when she wasn't working and I wasn't working. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and well, why don't you bring us up to date, up to that point with Benedetta and her, um, where she came from and how she okay. got to London and so on. Okay. Benedetta, she, uh, she was an Italian girl. She was approximately uh, two, almost two years older than me. She had come from Rome in Italy to London. She wanted to learn English. I, I didn't know at the time, but she had a um, uh, she failed an exam in Italy when she was at university, and she didn't expect to. And she decided to come to the UK. Uh, I don't know what spurred her on to do that, but that's what she did. And when she was here, she uh, got a job as an au pair in Gravesend, which is just outside London. And that's why we couldn't see each other more than just the weekends, because mm. it was, it's quite far away. And um, she was working for a, a couple called Donna and Kevin. And uh, on the weekends, she would go out 
and that that was how we met. It was on a weekend out. Uh, she wanted to uh, further herself in English, and she was very interested in travel, uh, something along those kind of lines, working like that, maybe like some sort of tour tour guide or something. Yes, I was struck by the fact that um, after she failed her exam, um, in a, she was taking language courses. That it was almost like. Um, well, you know, I'm gonna. I want to learn languages. I want to learn English, and so I'm just gonna go on my own. I don't need to um, stay here and go to school. I can be immersed in the language. Exactly. It was just a very. Um, I, I guess it's spontaneous and sort of like full of life. That's what she was. She was just so full of life and self belief that um, she she could make it on her own. She could do that kind of thing because she had that. Um, charisma about her that she could just go and do it and that's exactly what she did and it just shows through through that failure of an exam most people might moan about it she actually packed her bags and said i want to learn it over in england mm-hmm. and she, just, um, she just took off mm-hmm. yeah and so um so you were started to go out and and continue, why don't you take it up from there okay so we started to today it went on for about two weeks until we started obviously becoming much, much closer. You waited a whole two weeks? <laughs> two, two weeks. Uh, two weeks later, we had our first kiss. Oh, we were Okay. Yeah, and um, we just uh, started seeing each other regularly and um, really were talking on the phone, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. So it just developed very quickly, that relationship. Uh, and it came to one point where she had to make a decision about going back to Italy because she wasn't supposed to stay in the UK for that long. She came here to to learn some English, get a bit of experience, and now she had a decision to make, should I go back to Italy as mm. I planned to, or should I make a, a life-changing decision and stay in the UK to be with uh, me, who she's just been dating now, I think, for about two months. Mm. Um, so she went back to Italy for a while. Um, it wasn't supposed to be uh, for that long, but she did end up staying, I think, about two months. But during that time, she's also made a decision to come back and carry on our relationship because we were still speaking on the phone all the time in Italy and getting closer, even though there was that obviously a whole sea between us. But mm. that's, it, the relationship did develop more even with that distance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then she came back. Yep, she came back. I was at university. She moved back with uh, Donna and Kevin, carried on with her au pair work. And um, I was in my final year of university now. Um, She used to come over regularly, like every weekend. She would come over on Friday and stay the whole weekend with me at uh, the halls of residence. Uh Uh, And um, she'd go back on Sunday night or Monday to, to her work. And I'd go back to university from there. Um, after a year, uh, I started to... The, the relationship, obviously, has gone on for a year now. And after one year, I'd moved back um, to fam- my family home. And she uh, she was still staying in Gravesend, but she wanted to develop her life more. She didn't want to be a no pair forever. Mm-hmm. She, was, um, a, she was a very intelligent girl. She had a lot that she could, like, get herself um, through through experience of actually working properly, but she didn't have those qualifications. So when I uh, applied for my first job and I got it, I 
um, helped her to get her a job in the city as well um, and done her CV with her. Uh, one thing I found out when I was doing her CV, which she didn't even tell me, was hmm. that she was a baroness. She was that modest. Um, wow. It, it was like a real modesty about her, and I didn't even know that I was dating a baroness all this time. Huh. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got her a job. Uh, she obviously got done the interview and passed, but that was with her bubbly personality, but it was putting the CV together and getting her foot in there. She she managed to put herself across as who she actually is. And straight away, the company hired her before she, <laughs> she just left the building. And straight hmm. away, they're, they're calling up, asking her, uh, their recruitment agent, we want her. Hmm. Straight away. Uh-huh. And then yeah. she, at some point, she went back to school. Um, that was a while later. Though. Oh, okay. I don't want to get it. I don't want to, uh, don't to get ahead of myself. <laughs> so okay. then, what happened next? What kind of job was that that you got her? It was. Um, I think it was just something basic. It was um, a data analyst job at that point. It was just something basic at that uh-huh. moment. Yeah. Okay. Well, when we come back, we do need to take a break now. But when we come back, we will uh, continue this saga. Um, I, I understand that you felt that she was your soulmate, so we will uh, kind of get into that, too, when it was that you first realized that. My yeah. guest today is Raj Babra. Um, he is, a, I have a new title for you, The Reluctant Filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his film, um, which hopefully will be co- going around the world, is called 7-7, Life Without Benedetta. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Raj Babra, who has um, made a film to commemorate the tragic loss of his lover and best friend, Benedetta. So why don't we um, take up where you left off on this love story, where um, you had just gotten her job in London and um, your relationship was progressing. Okay. Um, right, we've got to the point she's got her first job. It was just as a data analyst. Um, it wasn't anything overly complicated, but it was her first step into a proper city job. And from there, she's moved um, from Gravesend because she needed somewhere to stay, um, somewhere closer, so she moved into my family home. And she um, was working in basically the same company as me. It was um, They were two connected. They had different names, but they were actually all under one umbrella. And this company was based right next door to Allgate train station, um, huh. right next to the underground um, so we worked there um, I was there for six months it was only a, a contract job for me and um, her one became a permanent one over a period of time and uh, she she got her own place after a while moved in with friends uh, well sorry first of all it was with a, another lady we got through an advert who was advertising a, a housemate and uh, at the same time she still um, was basically spending most of her time around with my family. Um, so as just the, the time went on, both of our careers progressed. I started going towards new media programming, and um, she started becoming higher up in the company, but she wanted something a bit better than what she had now because she felt she um, was getting bored there. And she applied to uh, Pearson, which, which does the publishing for Penguin. So she moved there, and that new job was in uh, Charing Cross, which is uh, just at, well, it's actually um, on the Strand, which is just near Charing Cross, which is coincidentally where we uh, had our uh, first date mm. when I told you about the uh, picture piano. Mm-hmm. So she would travel now um, a different route, working there, and at the same time she wanted to also study to further her um, ability in what kind of job she could get. 
she very much liked what I was doing, which was IT. So um, she would practice like um, doing what I was doing, which was mm-hmm. web programming, and I'd teach her a bit. But she was, then was thinking, I want to study this properly. So uh, she got herself a place into Birkbeck University, which um, was a five-year part-time degree, and that would have to be uh, after work. She would she would do a full day's work, then she'll go off and study, and then she'll go home. It was um, during this kind of period. Um, we've been together now for five years. It was the fourth year. Uh, which I've actually heard is normally the, the, the bad year in a relationship where it could be a make or break one. Um, we did start having a few issues within our relationship. Um, not that we weren't getting on, but I felt I was very young to be tied down and it was everything was going towards marriage and I, was, I think I was getting very cold feet around that mm-hmm. kind of time. Although both of us felt we were soulmates. It, it was... Um, overwhelming to be a soulmate with someone and at the same time to be getting so nervous to settle down because I was feeling I'm only like, I think it was about 25 by now and I don't feel like settling down. I, I need to sort of like, um, I, I was feeling tied down at that time. So Because um, you hadn't really had any other serious girlfriends, I presume. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Uh, we... We had a temporary separation during that period, and it was very difficult for both of us. But I was—I think at that point I was getting too... I've got to openly admit it, I think I was getting a bit too selfish, that um, I was thinking more about myself than about Benedetta, which uh, completely broke her heart. And um, that temporary separation became um, a permanent one. Hmm. And it... it hurt me a lot as well as her and I think it was just my commitment fear that was just too much for me to um, to, to stay in the relationship uh, forever uh, and I just thought I really need to move on for a while uh, and Benedetta herself she had a lot of pride that she wasn't going to stick to waiting for me even though she did for a long time but she decided after a while she had to move on as well, even though it was very difficult for her too. I used to get a lot of phone calls from her crying and wanting to get back together. Mm. And there was times I was very close to it, but then I thought I'm basically going to put myself back in a situation where I'm not feeling ready. So we did um, we did separate, and um, we, we did our own things. Benedetta, after a while, met uh, another guy, uh, who lived further away. He, I think it was um, Manchester, which is quite far, far away. She met him through a friend. And they started dating after a while. This is probably going about a year down the line now. And um, I mean a year after you separated? Yeah, a mm-hmm. year after we separated. So Benedetta was now, um, she was studying, she was working, she was seeing this new guy. Uh-huh. Um, even though we've been separated now for a year and I started also seeing someone else about a year later, she um, she was very close to me as, as I was to her. And in a way, we started becoming even closer as uh, as friends. What, what I started feeling was frizzling out in the fourth year um, started like growing again, not as in terms of being a girlfriend, but being just like, absolutely the best friend I've ever had in my life. 
uh-huh. the person I could speak to at any time, the person who would ring me whenever she's got a problem. It was um, a friendship I've never had before and never since. It was just completely different. Um, so as time just went on, um, my new relationship, the, uh, <laughs> the the girl in question just made me realize how how great Benedetta was mm. because mm-hmm. um, I wasn't getting treated the same. I wasn't feeling the same. I, I was, you know, I was constantly feeling upset around her because uh, she, she just didn't have the same attributes or um, the same feelings for me and I could really see the difference now, what it was, what a strong relationship I had with Benedetta. Uh-huh. So um, time just started going on and on and on. I broke up with the the girl I was going out with um, after about a year, year and a half. Um, And Benedetta, she was getting um, more closer with her new new boyfriend to the point they got engaged. Hmm. But there was times where both of us, I guess, um, I'm not putting words into Benedetta's mouth, but um, the way I was feeling about just our friendship that she she wondered sometimes if she was doing the right thing and I was also wondering am I doing the right thing as well by not getting back together with her right but at the same time I didn't want to ruin her new relationship so but um, you knew deep down that I mean didn't you think that maybe deep down she still loved you more than this person who she was sort of settling for yes yes I did and um I, I did feel that from her, but at the same time, she had also built up um, a resilience as well to me. That mm. um, I think it's hurt her so much that she wouldn't think about the, uh, the feeling she has for me, and she would sometimes act a bit cold when um, when we were having a good time. Like mm-hmm. if, if I met her and we just went out for lunch, for example, um, she would be a little bit cold at times because um, it. I think it was reminding her about our relationship and I think that was very painful for her and her way of dealing with it was not to be too uh, overtly um, friendly. She might just sort of like go a bit cold and I, I would feel that, that distance that grew between us over the time but at the same time I knew I could speak to her about anything and she would always be there no matter what, no matter what time or where or anything and she would always be there so she was just really protecting herself from from feeling getting sucked into those feelings and maybe getting hurt again by you. Exactly. As well as I think the guilt of doing anything behind her new boyfriend's mm-hmm. back. Mhm. We had no sort of boyfriend girlfriend relationship, but I think it was just the guilt of like hanging out with her ex-boyfriend. Right. Um I can understand that. That that's the difficult thing, but it was just purely a, a, a deep friendship. It was just a soulmate friendship. Um, but it became to the point where I could speak to her about who I was seeing, um, the, the girl I was seeing. Um, there was nothing to hide anymore because I knew I could speak to her about anything. And even then, she would even give me advice on relationships. Mm-hmm. So it was that deeper friendship. Um, so is that where things were at the time? On seven seven two thousand and five, it was going that way. It was um, for a long time. It was like that, um, but it was um, about six weeks. I think about six weeks before seven seven. Um, I I started really deeply thinking about 
um, Benedetta because I was thinking she's only a few months away now from her wedding. Mm. And I, the reason why I suddenly started feeling this was we went out to lunch one day. Uh, and this was actually the last time I saw her. Uh, we, we went out and there's always that bit of a cold atmosphere between us. Um, I think it was that resentment one I was telling you. Mm-hmm. But this time, for some reason, the atmosphere had just disappeared. Oh, my. We have to leave this on a cliffhanger. Just when the atmosphere is thawing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, this certainly certainly is a love story. My guest is Raj Babra. His documentary film, Life Without Benedetta. And uh, we're hearing just how painful it all was leading up to uh, leading up to the tragedy of seven seven and the terrorist bombing. We'll be back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist uh, host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my... <laughs> This, 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 my guest today and this story is making me forget what I am. It's so moving. My guest is Raj Babra. He is the reluctant filmmaker of uh, Life Without Benedetta. And he was telling us, sharing with us, um, the beautiful relationship that he had with her and how, you know, leading up to we all know where we're heading towards 7-7 and the terrorist attack and it's just making it uh, that much more tragic to see just how, what soulmates they really were. So why don't you continue where you left off? We, you were just starting to say that uh, it was about six weeks before 7-7 and you were realizing that her wedding was approaching and that you had made a terrible mistake. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was um, I was realizing that. I was, I, I was still to mind, should I tell her, should I not? Am I prepared for the commitment? Um, but that came about from this last meeting we had, which mm-hmm. was um, on her lunch break. I went up to see her, and we had something to eat. It was um, it was the, the the atmosphere had changed though. This very last time, it was strange because like for the last three years, it had, um, it had been a bit of coldness there. Um, obviously, the protection for her. And this time her guard was completely down. I don't know why. It was just like it was meant to be our last time uh-huh. together. Um, and we were just laughing and joking like uh, in the beginning. We're mm-hmm. going back now eight years, like how we were then. Um, we we finished our lunch and uh, she, I think it was an hour, hour and a half she had that day. So we went to a park which was just behind her work and sat down in the grass, and, and it, it's so silly, but we were wrestling, we were rubbing grass in each other's face and sort of like rolling around. It was a lovely sunny day, mm. and we were just laughing and joking so much that day. Um, mm. It just felt, again, like the beginning. Yes. Total difference, and it was just an amazing, amazing day even though it sounds probably like a normal day to people listening. No, not at all. Uh, So after all that, after all that laughing and joking, um, I walked over with her to her work, and she was standing down the corridor, and we were both looking at each other, and she had just like the biggest smile on her face, a big grin. She had a a, a unique grin. Um, Waved at me, I waved at her, and she just walked, into her workplace, and little did I know that was the very last time I was ever going to see her again. Wow, and how many, how, this was how long before 7-7? Um, um, probably about six weeks or so. I see, that was, the, okay, yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah. And so uh, in between that time and 7-7, did you, uh, you were still chatting with her on the phone and so on? Yeah, MSN on the phone, um, we, we were chatting regularly. It was like uh, the first thing that would happen every day, um, I would normally go straight onto my computer, um, just check my emails, and the I would go straight onto MSN as well, and she would always be at work by now because she was like, she'd 
start earlier than my shift. And the first thing I'd always do is talk with her. Hmm. It was like the, the daily kind of thing, or if not, then a telephone call would come in and we'd just have a quick chat or a long chat or whatever um, she could spare that day. And so after that lovely last time, did you, you, it seems like you were on the verge of telling her, you know, don't do this. I really do love you. There's, let's just con- continue where we left off. Yes, it was building up towards that. I was, um, was getting closer and closer. It was becoming uh, late June now, and um, it was really playing on my mind. And then it became into the first week of July. And I remember I was um, going out on July the 3rd. I was just parking my car up. and Sorry, before I was parking my car, I was driving along and um, talking with Vendetta. Uh, and the conversation was just so... It was, again, just so carefree again. Uh, it was just laughing and joking and just amazingly close friends and just... Um, I don't know. I, I I can't put it into words um, how how the the conversations were. They were just sort of like just so no guard there. There was nothing there. There was no um, falseness. I guess that's it. There's mm-hmm. no nothing to hide from each other. And we were, we were just joking joking about. I parked my car and I had to get somewhere. So I said to her, "Look, I've got to go," and um, said bye. And little did I know that was our last conversation. Mm. And I just really sometimes wish I'd talked to her for longer. Mm. But um, I I got that. When I say conversation, I mean phone conversation. Right. Um, so I I went out, and now it was next day, July the fourth went along um, normal chats on MSN. And it was on July the 6th. Uh, I was really um, thinking about um, where we were going with all this and what was happening in my head. And I was thinking I should really tell her how I'm feeling. And I was supposed to have met her that week. We were supposed to have gone out. But she had a backache that week, um, the first week of July, and she didn't go to work. So on the Wednesday, July the sixth, we decided to meet up on the following um, the following Tuesday. But um, we made an appointment for about uh, I think it was afternoon just to meet her at work. And I had now between that time and the, our meeting to really sort my head out. What should I do? Mm-hmm. That was the that was what I gave myself on the following day. July the 7th, the bombs went off. Um, I wasn't aware about the bombs because at the time I was in bed. But my mum rang me up and she says, don't go into central London, there's been some explosions. Um, I I got up out of bed, and this sounds a bit weird, but I, I, I went to the, to the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and I just saw something on my face, which I've never had before, which was kind of like um, a sty in the corner of my eye. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I've never had that before. That's something Benedetta gets on her face sometimes. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, and I knew nothing about what's happened. Um, and within a couple of hours, it had disappeared. So it, it didn't really make me think anything's happened to her. As far as I didn't really understand the, um, the scale of this terrorist yeah. blast or anything, because everything, the news was just coming out. 
um, and I, I was very busy at work during that period. So I, I spent Thursday and Friday uh, working extremely long hours, and um, by the weekend, I'd um, I'd started getting a little bit concerned on the Saturday. I was thinking, why haven't I heard from uh, Benny? Huh. Benny's what I called her. Um, and I didn't have a new mobile number because she's changed it um, just recently, and I didn't have a new one. And the only way I could contact her now was if I... Um, if I called her work, however, she doesn't work on the weekends. So I was thinking, oh my god, I have to wait till Monday to call her now, just to make sure. But she's what okay. about the emails or or MSN? Uh, that was uh, only at work. She didn't have it at home. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, and also, um, I I didn't want to obviously like if I did have a number, I wouldn't want to call her because I don't know how her boyfriend would take mm-hmm. it if I called her up. So um, I. Um, I waited over the weekend, and it um, was on the Sunday. I was really actually worrying a lot by now. And uh, I remember I was sitting next to a newspaper, um, and I was looking at the paper. I was just on a break at work, and I was thinking about reading it. But um, just as I was going to, like, reach over and take it, we had to go back to work, so I left it. And uh, I went off to work. The shift was going along, and towards the end of it, I got a phone call right at the very end from uh, Donna, who was the the lady she used to work for as yeah. an and she sounded in the right state. Um, I was thinking, what's wrong? But then I was thinking, oh, she's just probably panicking over some IT question she's got on <laughs> the computer. <laughs> So um, she just said my name very sort of like loud. She, got, she just said Raj, and I was like, I was thinking, hold on, wait, that I don't know, something's not right here. Yeah. And she goes, it's uh, Bernie. That's what she called her, Bernie. Um, I said, what's wrong? And I said, and she said she's dead. And that moment just was like, uh, no, she's she's wrong. What what do you mean? Uh, and it was. Um, what, what do you mean? She goes, I just got an email from one of her colleagues saying she's dead, uh, she's died in the bombing, and she read out the email to me. And I just couldn't take it in, and I was thinking I've got to ring Benny and ask her, are you dead or are you alive? And I was really, at this moment, I was already thinking she's dead, and I'm thinking I've got to ring her and ask her, are you dead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which is a very weird thing to be right. thinking. So... um Anyhow, um, I ran off to get a newspaper, and um, I went to the, the local shops there in a panic state, asking them, give me a newspaper, give me a newspaper, and they didn't understand uh, why I wanted a newspaper, and I must have looked like a crazy person in there, trying to cut open like the bundles they've just got in, and I managed to, but uh, there was nothing about uh, Benedetta in there. So I remembered, oh, there was a newspaper next to where I was sitting um, earlier on. So I ran back there and I found the paper and opened the page and there was a big picture of Benedetta looking back at me. Oh. Saying missing. Oh, wow. You know, it's interesting because I think there must have been a lot of denial happening that you were in a lot of denial before then because to not even think that uh, that she could have been amongst 
the tragedies and in the trains and the bus. Totally, totally. That's um, the human way of being, isn't it? All right. Well, the the music is telling us we need to take another break. Um, We will be back soon for the rest of this story. My guest, Raj Babra, his documentary, Life Without Benedetta. And um, we can see how painful that was and is. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guest jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain competent and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with Raj Babra, the reluctant filmmaker of Life Without Benedetta. Um, so you were you left us off at... Uh, the moment where it just all you it all hit you her her smiling face broke through your denial once and for all yeah um the the result of that seeing that was so big a shock that i just went quiet for a long time um i had to be taken home uh by the time i got home i started to have thoughts i'm going to contact her family got in contact um cutting a long story short I met up with her dad the following day who'd flown over from Rome and uh, we I, I met her also her boyfriend who was uh, looking in London for her. Uh, we spent the next, um, I think it was nine days, looking for her, 
However, I managed to make some of my own inquiries and spoke with a lady who was in charge of an operation uh, through the police who unofficially told me on the Monday uh, that it's very likely she's one of the people who was killed in the bombing mm. and uh, to expect her not to have survived. Uh, the sad thing about that as well is that was the 11th of July, which was actually our anniversary day. Oh, God. Which was heartbreaking as well. So um, we, um, on the 16th, we got the total confirmation that she was, uh, she was killed. Uh, the biggest fear in my mind was if she uh, suffered. Uh-huh. Uh, I still don't have the answer to that, but... Um, just from the injuries and what we've been told, it's likely she didn't because the injuries were massive on her. That um, She had a closed coffin funeral and mm-hmm. her parents were advised as well not to see her and just remember the way she was because apparently she was unrecognisable. So, no, that's so sad. Very sad. She was 30 by now at that point. So... Um, I went through the next um, couple of years um, feeling very depressed. I put on lots of weight during that period uh, in the region of about, uh, I think you work in pounds, isn't it? <laughs> uh, 14 times 3 pounds, um, uh, about 40-odd pounds I put on during that period over the next two years uh, just because I couldn't be bothered to do anything now. And... Um, it was it was towards the end of last year, though, um, when things started to change. I started to uh, really pull my life back together. I went on a diet. I um, started really doing positive things and getting my life back together um, till the point this year in March when um, I went on a course which was to make a community project to um, help a community and to get them involved into something hmm. um, and actually make a difference within that community. It could be anything. It could be any community you wanted. It could be small, but they would advise and keep it on a small scale of maximum 200 people. Um, I decided to um, help the 7-7 community, by, um, which took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do, um, but it was to make a tribute to Benedetta and... Um, show the meaning of life, uh, the loss of life through 7-7 and bring about the, um, the, the reality of what's happened um, from 7-7. But the problem was I didn't have any experience um, of making a film, um, how to do it, no film budget, no film crew, uh, <laughs> nothing that was going to help me do this. But the thing that made it even more difficult was this had to be ready to screen on seven seven, that mm-hmm. was so. I had three months to do the whole thing. Um, I met a, a lady called Rabia Bushiba, who's a documentary film director. I met her through um, a guy on the course who was my coach on the actual course. It was a friend of hers, so oh. he he told her what I was doing, and she was absolutely thrilled, and she really wanted to get involved. Um, However, my ideas were all over the place on how to do this. I had no clue. So um, I said to her, um, whatever you decide is the best way of doing this. Um, We'll do it your way. So she sat down with me and went over my life story with Benedetta the same way we've kind of done on um, this show. 
And from that, she started writing a script, which we worked on together. She would send it to each other, adjust things, and back and forth. However, what we still needed was a cameraman, uh, a sound engineer, um, a film editor, and um, a, a studio to actually cut this all together. So... Rabia, uh, coincidentally, uh, managed to get in contact with some guys who lived in Norwich, which is where Benedetta was living, and coincidentally was just around the corner from where she was living. And Norwich is like, I don't know, 200 miles away from London. Hmm. So uh, they knew nothing about it being uh, Benedetta. Uh, what I also forgot to tell you, the bombing which Benedetta died in was at Allgate, which is where she used to work in her first job. Um but anyway, we got these guys, uh, George, um, George Leader and James Phillips. They have a company called Gentleman's Agreement. What um, Rabia, George and James all, all understood was that there was no money to be made out of this. This was all about just making a project that's going to make a difference. Um, so we started working together uh, on filming what the script that uh, Rabia and I had put together once we filmed around London and we were in the course of doing all that, we realized we also need to be going to Italy because some vital parts of this are going to be in Italy to show Benedetta's life over there. So in two weeks, i done some really heavy fundraising, just talking to people I know about what we were making and asking them to donate. And within two weeks, we'd raised £2,000, which was enough to get us around um, to Italy and do everything we needed. So we flew over all together and filmed around um, where she grew up, her tomb, met her family over there, uh, interviewed them. And what was happening was that people who weren't even interested in helping with this project, such as uh, people in 7-7, the families and survivors who were reluctant to do anything in front of the camera, started realizing what we were making and we started getting people come forward who wanted to now help us. Um, so it's taken people from um, just going into their little shells and not mm. participating into suddenly coming out and saying, yeah, we want to get involved. Mm -hmm. So um, we started um, interviewing other people. And what I started realizing with this story was that we were making something so unique and as far as I could see, it's nothing that's ever been made before. It's nothing political. It was just about the experience of losing a loved one in 7-7 uh, or surviving it, um, just what it's like to be in that and to understand the effects of terrorism uh, with no political angle to it. And so we managed to uh, also get a lady involved called Ingen Olsen, who's a film editor, and she cut the whole film together um, and edited the whole thing for free as well. Everyone worked on this constantly uh, for free. Uh, so in three months, we had, we had uh, full-time jobs managed to put together this whole documentary. Um, well, okay, so. and, and, <laughs> and you screened it, um, the, the final part of the, well, not the final final, but you managed to screen it by the anniversary, the third anniversary of 7-7, which was which was really fantastic. Um, yeah, let right. me, I, I want to make sure uh, a couple of other things are known. One, that um, you are going to be uh, hopefully bringing this to 9-11 next year to show this um, yeah. film as well. 
and I and and that the proceeds from this film are going to um, the charity that helps the victims of Seven Seven. That's right. We want to create our own charity or um, something to help the people who not just Seven Seven but terrorism around the world and. Uh, it would be great if you could link it to the website. So yes, we can yes, I was just, that was what I was going to do. Could you, do you want to give that out? Yeah, it's www. I'll spell it. It's B E N E D E T T A hyphen C I A C C I A dot com. So that's Benedetta hyphen Chacha. And again, that's C-I-A-C-C-I-A for her last name. Or you can just Google Life Without Benedetta, Ah. and I'm sure you'll find a link there somewhere. Well, I I really appreciate, and I'm sure my listeners do too, you're sharing this intimate love story with us, and I'm sure there isn't anyone listening who hasn't had chills go up and down their spine as as I have. And... um, we really need to think about this, not only in terms of, of your loss, but the loss of so many people, and not only on 7-7, but 9-11, and in all the terrorist acts that are going on around the world every day that really um, are not well publicized in the media. So I, I wish you well with this Thank and you. with your journey. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I just wanted to say before we finish, yeah. um, the, the whole project what we're doing now has gone from a community project to a, a worldwide project, and we want to get a lot of people around the world who are affected by terrorism involved. So if anyone can email me, it'll yes. be raj at benedetta-chacha.com. Um, we, we want to work together with people around the world who, who want to make a difference in helping others. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you again, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.